Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Good morning, Jubilee Church. Good to see you guys. Uh, It's been a while for me. I haven't uh, spoken since Memorial uh, weekend. Uh, so if you're new with us uh, over the past couple of months, I just want to say a special hello, and I hope that you're connecting, finding your way into relationships and participation uh, with us. These past uh, seven weeks has been a, mis- a mixture, a l- little bit of vacation, but a lot of visiting other churches in our uh, Confluence family of churches and, and making space here locally for other communicators to emerge and grow and develop. And for those who don't know our history, Jubilee Church is 26 years old and in church years, that's like middle-aged. And uh, I've been leading it for 18 years and I'm for sure middle-aged. And so like, it's a good match. And there's a real advantage to being where we are in our life stays as a church. And I I hope that you you see this and and, and learn to appreciate it. You know, we're not new, uh, but we're we're not old either. We're right in the middle, which makes us a good spot uh, for being the kind of church, and actually we must be the kind of a church um, that is giving ourselves away to help plant and start new churches, that is looking to develop new leaders in the next generation and not just coasting on what we have. So it's a great place to be, and I hope that you appreciate that, and I hope that you, uh, are, uh, that you love that about us, that uh, especially as you uh, plan to stick around for longer, that you love the fact that we're not just about who we are here, but we're about... Uh, the, the next city, the next state, the next nation. And it's, it's encur- it was encouraging to go see that. And all is well in the Commonwealth, as they say. And it's really excited to be back. Uh, but I got to be honest with you, as I was coming on my way back and I peeked at the text that I had to preach, you know, it's been seven weeks since I preached. And I was like, oh man, I'm ready to get back at it. And I got to be honest with you, I was, it was a little bit of a buzzkill, like looking at the text that I was doing because... You know, we're in this series in Matthew and just kind of take it as it comes. And, you know, like feeding of the 5,000 and, you know, Jesus walks on water and, you know, preaching about healing. And I hear all these amazing tests. Oh, man, Greg, you preached last week. And just like all these people are coming forward. It's amazing. I'm like, what juicy morsel do I get to preach on? <laughs> Ceremonial hand washing. And so... Um, but the more I dug into this passage, the more I understood the context the more I just want to say how important of a topic this is for you and I in 2023, in particular, in the middle of God moving amongst us. And I hope he moves amongst us much, much more, healing more people, speaking to more people, delivering more people. Because what, if you look at the pattern of Scripture, uh, you see, look through the New Testament, what God creates, Satan always counterfeits. That God promises life and the, and the devil speaks through disobedience. God says, I am the source. And the devil says to us, you are the source. God plants wheat. The devil plants weeds. God does miracles. The devil works through religion. And there are two major di- ditches uh, that we need to avoid as, as Christians. And they both start with L. Licentiousness, that is giving ourselves over to the flesh. It's the Bible word. Uh, that talks about that part of you that's not submitted to God and that part of you that wants what the flesh wants. So we have to avoid licentiousness, and I think we're aware of that. That's 
That wouldn't shock anyone, but we also have to be aware of the ditch of legalism, licentiousness and legalism, two ditches, two sides of the horse that we can fall off on. And it's been said that the devil doesn't care what side of the horse you fall off on. He just wants you to fall off. And so we have to pay very, very close attention to this because, again, Jesus just finished feeding 5,000 people, plus women and children, walking on water, healing people. And there was this religious entourage that came all the way from Jerusalem, 90 miles on foot, very tough terrain. They were very motivated to get to there. Why? You know, hey, we want to walk on water too. Hey, we want to, we want to be a part of this miracle. Um, we want to bring what you're doing here in Capernaum down into Jerusalem. No, they walk 90 miles to find out why his disciples are not washing their hands before they eat. And uh, again, this is not about hygiene, um, but let me just go ahead and say on behalf of all parents, kids, wash your hands before you eat. In fact, just go wash your hands. It doesn't matter if you're eating or not. Just go wash your hands. Uh, but this was not about hygiene. This was about um, purity laws. And there were this group of Pharisees and scribes. There's the four major religious leaders, Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees, and Zealot, uh, well, uh, Herodians. There were Zealots too, but... Um, you had these different groups and these Pharisees and scribes, they were particular about the law and they, they wanted to get it right and, and they created laws to help you uh, not break the laws. And um, so they were, they were highly motivated to, to, to come check this out. But uh, what we need to be aware of is that when God pours out blessing, true life in his spirit, um, Satan will give, come to us with Legalism. He'll sow in legalism, which has the appearance of righteousness, but it's a fake. I mean, it's one thing to know. I mean, it's one thing, for example, to like know that you don't have a parachute. It's another thing to think that you have a parachute and then jump out of the plane. And that's what legalism is. It gives you this false sense of security that everything is fine. Uh, when in reality, uh, it's bad news. And, and then Jesus, um, both Jesus and the New Testament writers have their harshest words against a legalistic spirit because a legalistic spirit is highly motivated and it sneaks in and it's but it's false it is fake and so what were they upset with what it says they were it says in verse 2 it says why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders for they do not wash their hands um, when they eat. And there are two things. There is the scriptures and then there is the oral tradition. And just to be clear, sometimes you'll hear Jesus say, you'll read and you'll see Jesus say things like, you've heard it said, you've heard it said. So he does that in the Sermon on the Mount. When he says that, he's referring to the oral tradition of the, fr the, the fries, the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes. And I try to combine them. You, you, got, you got me. You got me. I see where you're going with that, Brian. Um, don't worry. And... Um, they, when he says, like, hey, you've heard it said, he's not saying, hey, you've heard the Bible said, and I say something else. He's saying, you've heard it said from the, the oral tradition, the, the rules that the Pharisees and religious leaders made um, that they have elevated to that place. So he said, you've heard it said. That he's talk when, he talking, when Jesus is talking about the Bible, the shorthand phrase he would use is, it is written. So he, would, he said that to the devil, it is written. You know, you devil would come at him with the temptation. He says, it is written, and he's referring to the scripture. So just what he's referring to here, so the tradition of the elders was this oral law that was passed down to prevent you 
from, so it was a rule before you got to the rule before you got to the rule. And these things got elevated to a very high place. And so one of the things that, that they're referring to, these washing of hands, this did come from the Mosaic law, and it was for priests. And it had to do with you know, dietary and purity laws, which reflected something of what God would do that was fulfilled in Jesus. But what they did is they said, hey, this is good for the priest to do it. Let's make everybody do it. So everybody needs to go through this, this, this hand-washing ceremony, which actually wasn't even, it was just a ceremony. They didn't use much water. They just did it for the, to show on the outside. And so they said, hey, if you're, for, you to be a, for you to be a follower of God, for you to love Yahweh, you need to do these hand-washing um, ceremonies. But what does Jesus accuse him of? Well, in verse 3, he says, and why do you break the commandment for the sake of your tradition? So he's calling these defenders of the law. And you have to, you kind of have to sympathize a little bit with the Pharisees, because if you could think about like, what is the thing that you are like the most proud of? I mean, like if you were like, oh man, I really, I love playing the guitar and I'm really great at the guitar. And someone comes along and says, you know what? You're terrible at the guitar. Like it would crush you. And that, the, the thing that the Pharisees loved about themselves the most is that they saw themselves as defenders of the law. And Jesus comes in and says, no, you are a breaker of the law. I mean, later on, we read in, it's like the, the disciples are like, Jesus, I don't know if you know this or not, but you kind of offended those guys. And Jesus is like, no, I, I knew what I was doing. I, I, I knew what I was doing. But they, it was a very, very offensive thing to say to them because... But what commandment of God were they talking about? Where well, there's this thing called Corbin, which was this statement, this phrase that you would say over your possessions to say this is sacred unto God. So um, they came up with this saying, if you, if you, if you say this is Corbin, uh, it's sacred unto God, and uh, it, it's not to leave your house, it's not to leave your possessions, so you, no one can borrow it and no one can have it because it's unto the Lord. Now, conveniently, if it was unto, you could still use it because it was still in your house, but no one else could use it. And so it was a convenient way not to share. And um, yeah, don't, this is why we don't have kids in here for stuff like this. And so we don't teach them about that. The, but what they were doing is their parents would come and say, hey, we're, we're, we need some stuff. And like, we see that you have an extra couch. Can we have your couch? And they'd be like, no, that's Corbin. It's unto the Lord. You're great, but God's greater. You can't have that. And so Jesus is saying that you are, because of your tradition, you are violating an actual commandment of the Lord to honor your father and mother. Uh, I mean, Paul tells Timothy later, he tells the Timothy later that you know to not care for your family is being worse than an unbeliever. Proverbs twenty eight says, "Whoever robs his father and his mother says there is no tra- transgression is a command is a companion to a man who destroys." So, like the Bible is very clear about this. So he was saying that you you have all these traditions. In fact. In, in Mark's version of this, he says, there are many traditions like this that, that you observe. Um, and they were elevating the traditions of men over the word of God. And so I want to talk just for the next uh, 20 minutes or so about the dangers of empty religion, legalism. And uh, I'm going to speak strongly. In fact, I ask. I'm trying to intentionally be chill here because my, I asked my wife for some feedback. She's like, you're kind of angsty. And I was like, well, okay. Um, but I want you, very calmly, to consider, could this possibly be you? Let me say that another way. If you don't 
think this could possibly be you, I am for sure talking to you. (laughs) Is it possible that all the things that you're doing or you're doing some of the things you're doing, you're doing under the banner of Christianity, yet it's empty religion. Paul gives us warning in Colossians 2. See to it that no one takes you captive. How? By philosophy and empty deceit. What is this philosophy? Empty deceit. Human tradition. And he explains more. They have the appearance of wisdom, talking about what to eat, what not to eat, and religion, and all these traditional things that got, you know, balled up in in what it means to follow Jesus. It has the appearance of wisdom, which means it looks a lot like the true thing. But they are no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Paul tells the Galatians in chapter 5, he says, if you go down this road, a legalistic road, if you listen to teachers who preach tradition of men over the Bible, you yourselves fall into the tradition of men, Christ has no value. I mean, that's about the strongest thing he could say. That if you, the danger of this is that Christ would have no, meaning like you can kind of get on with your life without Jesus. So let me go ahead and prepare you for response. I just want to be kind and gentle and non-angsty. That's my goal. And um, I want to prepare you to respond. Because let me give you another neon sign that's clear as day that this has happened to you is that you regularly hear the word of God and rarely if ever respond to it. You hear the word of God preached, you read the word of God and you rarely respond. It's because you have a tradition that you follow and if you follow the tradition, you're okay And you don't have to deal with what the Bible actually says. You've bought into, you meant well, you started well. We all start well. Want the internal transformation and we learn behavior modification and we, so the behavior modification is a result of something that happens internal and we start playing the externals and we ignore the matters of the heart. It's very dangerous. And the Bible Jesus and Paul, in particular, speaks the most aggressive, which is why I was angsty toward this. Because I don't want it to happen to you. I don't want it to happen to me. I don't want it to happen to us. But it's a very, very real threat, especially in the context of authentic moves of God, which we're constantly asking for. So what did they do wrong? Well, they elevated their thoughts and traditions above God's word. Jesus is not against tradition. We have traditions. We have service times. We meet every Sunday. We, our services, follow a general pattern. I hope that doesn't disappoint you. But the traditions are fine. They're rhythms to help us facilitate what we want, what we feel like God would have us do. Traditions in and of themselves are not bad. I mean, it would be emotional turmoil. I mean, 10% of you would love it if we just like, hey, put a, you know, every Sunday up and, hey, you know what? We don't know, we don't know where or when we'll meet 
or what's going to happen, like 10% of you would love that. 90% of you would be an emotional wreck. And so we don't, we, traditions are fine. Jesus is not against traditions on the wholesale. He's just said, there's something that happens is that you fall in love with your tradition, your mode, your method, your preference, and you let go of what is truly life, which is the word of God. When we follow our instinct, our thoughts are, this is what I think about the way things should be. This is, this is what I think is important. This is my, I mean, I sit down with, I've been doing this for a while and I sit down with people, none of you, just other people. And, and they'll say things like, this is, this is what I, this is what I like in a church. I, you know, I, this is what I think, like, this is the worship style I connect to. This is what I think should happen. This is what I like. I like this brand. I like this over here. I like this over here. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't like that because of what they did over here. Hey, awesome to have preferences. And if you would allow me, if you would ask me that question, I would just want to say, hey, you are making your preferences, your traditions, the way that you relate to God as ultimate in terms of what you do and what you don't do. And then something sinister, you start to quietly look down on others who don't do it the way that you do it. My name is Brian, and I am your friend. <laughs> I mean, so what they were doing, they, they, they were elevating their traditions above the word of God, and they began to justify their behavior that was actually contradicting what the Bible actually says. Can you think of a time in America where what people thought about the Bible and its traditions and what was important to them was elevated above what the Bible actually said? A few examples come to mind. How, I mean, I don't know if you ever think about this. You probably have. I hope you have. How in the world did a people gather weekly, read their Bible daily, and yet overtly oppress, abuse, demean people with darker skin? How in the world does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. It happens through legalism, putting the tradition of men above the scriptures. Well, that was them. That was the Pharisees. And that was the, you know, 1800, 1900s, my parents, whatever, my grand, whatever. But that won't happen to me. Really? So one of the clearest things that Jesus wants you to do, he wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. He wants you to seek and save the lost. He wants you to, he wants to, you to leverage your entire life, your money, your time, your possessions, your ambitions, all that you have for the sake of his kingdom. The last thing he said was go into all the world and make disciples. It's so so clear. Seek first the kingdom of God. 
don't worry about what you'll wear. Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about your kids' education. Don't worry about those things. Make the seeking the kingdom the central thing that you do. And yet, how many of us are content to attend services and never even think of doing that? I come to services, I read my Bible, I say some prayers, I don't lie, I don't cheat, I love my family, I love my country, I have this tradition that I follow, and as long as I, now, if, if I don't follow that, I'm not happy, or if someone else doesn't follow that, I'm really unhappy, but it, the things that the Bible actually say I'm okay with as long as I fulfill my list. You know anyone like that? That's the ancient part. Uh, or you're a person B. As long as I care for the poor, I'm empathetic, I daily do inclusion training, I'm good. That's your list. And we could share lists later. I have my list that if I'm doing this, and I'm probably, of all the people in this room, the person who is at most risk to falling into this is me. So Rach comes to me and she says, hey, you know, it's, Great that you, um, you know, when, when I say things that you do wrong, you know, you'll repent. But why do I always have to tell you? Why don't you just come to me and say, I've done this wrong? I said, well, if you give me a chance, I would. I didn't say that. Um, I, th I thought it. I didn't. Um. Yeah, pride. There's pride in my heart. I can justify it. Or I can look into it. So they, and then this leads to performing religious actions for themselves apart from spiritual affection from God. That's what he says to them. He says, these people, they honor me with their lips. It's on the surface, but their heart is far from me. In vain, they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandment, commandments of men. So it's one of the reasons why we, when we gather, we're like, man, guys, let your heart be captivated by who God is. That's going to express itself emotively. And, and there'll be... Uh, clapping and, and raising your hands and God's going to move and it's going to cause you to respond. Why? Because we're, you know, emotional people. I mean, for those who don't know me, I'm not what you call a bubbly personality. <laughs> Why do we want bubbly worship? It's not because I'm a bubbly person. because what Jesus done. And sometimes we come into an environment like this, me too, and I just sit back there and I'm thinking about my sermon and all of a sudden I gotta do what David said. And so I'm like, come on, soul, wake up. Don't forget what he's done for you. 
He's healed your diseases. He loves you. This is what he's done for you. This is what he's doing in your life right now. And this is what he promised to do in the future. And that should light you up. Should light me up. Something for your consideration. If you're, if you come in to services and you hear the truth of God, and you're like, Jesus loves me, this I know, oh, I'm so bored. And yet it doesn't move you. That's what the Bible calls legalism. You're doing some external action and ignoring the matters of. So Jesus says, it's not what's outside of you or what comes in you that defiles you. The body has a way of dealing with. If you eat something that's not good, I mean, he gets a little gross. He says, it'll go in you in your stomach and then okay, you'll expel it. It'll, be, it'll enter sewage. Here's what he is concerned about. I don't want your heart to become sewage. When your heart becomes sewage, it, it just squirts out all this evil. You ever wonder why these like, guys like Bertie Madoff, you don't know who Bertie Madoff, he scammed a bunch of people. He was already a gazillionaire and he became more of a gazillionaire because he stole. Why did he steal? He was not content in his heart. Why do, people, why do you lie? Because you're protecting an image. Why do I get angry? Because my heart is full of pride. You ever say or hear someone say, oh, I didn't mean to do that? I've got terrible news for you. You did mean to do that. You just didn't know it was in you. Now, here's the great thing about you if you're in Christ. If you notice that, and you confess that, the Bible says he will purify you from all unrighteousness. But if you, allow, if you don't, that your heart will become sewage, even though you're playing the externals right. And that is a game we play. It's dangerous. It will hurt you, and it will hurt everyone around you. But we play it. That's why Solomon says, guard your heart with all diligence, all diligence. Like, you got to guard your heart, for from it flows springs of life. Isaiah 66, I forgot this one, but I want to say it. These are the ones I look to on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit, who tremble at my word. That's why I'm like, I think you should respond to stuff. I think you should... Look for things to respond to. You tremble at it. To tremble in the presence. I mean, you simultaneously love the presence of God, but are, are some, like fearful of it because it's like you know who you are in light of it. There's no way that you could sit under the word and his spirit and be like, you know, I'm good. I'm doing all right. talking to the staff about the dangers of money, sex, and power, and we were talking about guardrails uh, to protect ourselves, and, and this last time we were talking about money, and we talked about some strategies that you can do, because you know, the only way to really protect yourself from greed is to, to give it away, and talking about making sure that your standard of giving is, is not being outpaced by your standard of living and things like that, but I said, you know what, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, 
Um, even putting in these guardrails is not going to protect you. The only thing that will protect you, because, and you're the only one who knows this, is when something arises in your heart. So it's not, it's not, you don't become greedy when you decide not to give. What Jesus wants to know is, what do you do with that temptation when you're like, I don't want to do this anymore? What do you do with that? That's the thing that you need to address. If, you just, if you're not addressing that, it just, it's going to manifest. It's going to blow up. And, and hopefully your life does blow up so you can repent. But sometimes you just stay on that legalistic path. And then you become like what nobody wants to become is a hypocrite. It's a hypocrite. It's what calls him a hypocrite. A hypocrite was a word, uh, the word for hypocrite in that uh, day and age meant actor. You're an actor. Hypocrites were, it's a word for actor. And you, it means to wear the mask, that you come into an environment like this and you put on a mask. People don't see the real you. They just see the pretend you, the one that you want them to see. That's why when we get in groups, so by the way, if you're not fellowshipping deeply, relationally, with a group of people, I mean, game, set, match, you're, you're, you're there. You're in legalistic land, for sure. But one of the reasons why we say in groups, like we want to go beneath the line of shame, is yes, we want to be vulnerable and transparent, and that's going to foster connection, you know, that's going to cause us to, to get close, and that's great benefit. But one of the real reasons, I mean, the big reason is transformation. Like, we don't want to just come in and share our thoughts about what we think the Bible says. You know, we don't want to just read the word and examine the word. We want the, we want the Bible to read and examine us and then make the appropriate adjustments. You know, look in the mirror. Sometimes it's horrible to look in the mirror. Spiritually and physically, it's horrible. <laughs> Middle age, you know, it does it. So how do you become clean? Well, one of the things that Jesus does agree with the Pharisees on is that we are unclean. Pick up on that. He didn't say, hey, wait a minute. These people are just fine the way they are. He never says that. He disagrees with them on how you become unclean. And he disagrees with them, more importantly, on how you become clean. Well, um, one of the way, the way that, the one, here, well, actually, let's do this. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Let's do that. The band can come up. Paul tells the, the Colossians in chapter 2 that, that I shared that chapter earlier where he was warning about legalism. One of the things he says in there, he says, as you've received Jesus, so walk in him. So you remember that time when you became a Christian? Here's what you did. You said, I'm a terrible leader of my life. Every time I try to make myself, prop myself up, I make it worse. I'm not going to trust myself anymore. I'm going to trust him. He is my savior. He is my Lord. Okay. Remember when you did that? Just do that every day. <laughs> Just do that every day. Which means we come to him. I'm a terrible leader of my life. I still am. Terrible leader of my life. This religious 
structure that I built actually isn't doing anything to change what's going on really in my heart. So come to Jesus and check out what Jesus says he will do. And I want you to notice something. I want you to notice his part in what I say, and I want you to notice your part in making yourself clean. He says this in Ezekiel, I will, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart, a new spirit. I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You can't even walk in my ways in your own strength. You need my spirit to do this. You come to Jesus. Practically, if you're not in a group, you got to get in a group. You have to sit under his word. Not so that God will be pleased with you. So that you... You want to know what he's like and you want to know what thrills his heart and what doesn't. I mean, and then what you do when you're in a real relationship. It's like you want to know what, what makes this person happy? What makes this person sad? I want to do the things that make him happy and I want, I want to not do the things that make him sad. It's what you do when, when your heart is captured by someone else. But the big one is to repent, that is to turn away. To turn away. And the thing that we need to turn away from is this mindset of, I've got this. You don't. That's the whole idea of why he had to come and die for us, is that we don't got it. And he will make you a, a new creation. If you've never done this ever, he'll make you a new creation. And if you're already a Christian, he'll cleanse your heart of the, the evil that's crept back in there. Don't trust in yourself. Don't lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, all your ways, all your ways, your financial ways, your, your relationship ways, your marriage ways, your career way in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct that's not that's leaning and trusting being propped up by the spirit and the person of Jesus so I think you should turn from trusting yourself and I think you should come to Jesus Jesus we thank you for becoming our sin you became the filth and stench of humanity on the cross. When you cried out, my father, why have you forsaken me? You were forsaken so that we may never be forsaken. You became the stench of humanity so that we be become clean. It's nothing but your blood that washes us clean. God, we repent of our religion. We repent of our traditions and preferences and ways. And God, we want to sit under your word. Lord, we want to we be about the things that you're about. 
We're just, we want to turn from that, Lord, as a community, Lord, and as individuals. Pray that promise would be a reality in every heart today, that the living God lives. We have not hearts of stone that are apathetic to your word, but we have hearts of flesh that pump and, and light up at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.